0: Genesis twenty two fourteen, 14. And I'm going to read. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So this evening, I'm going to be talking about the story in Genesis 22. And that's the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. And just to give you guys a, a background of the story, if you guys don't know, Uh, In verse 1, it says that God tested Abraham, or some of your versions say that God tempted Abraham. So when I think of God testing Abraham, I think of a child who gets tested at school. And what's the purpose of a test? To assess the child's knowledge. So I can picture the Lord uh, watching over Abraham saying, man, Abraham, my son, how well do you know me? How knowledgeable are you of me? And it also says in the King James Version that God tempted Abraham. Now, God doesn't, he's not tempted, and he doesn't tempt, but this is a different kind. It means that uh, to make a trial, God made this trial for Abraham. So everything that happens in chapter 22 of Genesis is a God-made trial. God put purposely Abraham through this. And it also talks about how he went to uh, the place of the land of Moriah. And that was a place that was chosen uh, by God. And Abraham, my first point is that Abraham was a man of obedience. If you read in verse 3, it says that Abraham set out for the place of which God had told him. And when you look at the word set out, it means to divide, to break through, to open anything shut. And it means to hatch So when it means that Abraham set out, it means I could picture something taking place in the heavenly. There was a division. There was a hatching of something. And Abraham positioned himself for the provision of God. Something begins to hatch. It's like me, I'm this pulpit, and I'm setting out. Something begins to open, and the provision is now able to come out. So he positioned himself. Amen? So my second point is, Uh, Abraham faced a time of preparation. In verse 4, it talks about on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw a place from afar. And if you read the Bible, there's significance in the number three. A lot of things happen on the third day. One thing is that Esther, she fasted for three days before she went to see the king or even the Lord. He died and he resurrected on the third day. And it, it suggests like a, a completion or a process, a time of preparation. So those three days were a time was a time that um, Abraham was able to prepare what the Lord had for him. And I'm thinking, man, what's the purpose of preparation? Why did Abraham have to wait three days for God's provision? Now, I like food, so I was thinking, okay, what's the purpose of preparing food in it so that it's cooked well because if it's not prepared well it can make somebody sick you could give somebody food poisoning you could get the cold and the flu so God wanted to make sure that Abraham was a good like a good egg and I also think of Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory you know the little bratty girl she she wanted the the egg and all the bad eggs went down and they all went to the trash can but God wanted to make Abraham that golden egg just like he wants to make all of us amen and food, it's made to give us energy and give nutrients to the body. So when we're prepared, as we're supposed to be, when we let God uh, process us as we want to be we, be, we become nutrients to the body of Christ. We're not going to uh, make another member of our body ill or poison them, but we're supposed to be that good egg, nutrients to the body, encouraging them, uplifting them. Amen. And bad food gets thrown away, and we don't want to be a part of the body that's thrown away and that's not used. Amen? And my third point is provision. Because of Abraham's obedience, because he opened himself up to God's provision, because he he passed his time of preparation, the Lord was able to provide for him. And just like my opening scripture says, and Abraham called the name name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, in the Old Testament, it's not just Abraham that says that, because if you read throughout the Bible, um, there's uh, there's significance in the confer- in the confirmation of two or three witnesses. Okay, it's one thing if one person says it, but if more than one person says it, it's accepted as a fact. Okay, so Abraham, yeah, he's saying it, but we're all testament that the Lord provides, that he's a God of provision. So when you guys are discouraged, when you guys are going through things, be encouraged because it's a fact that our Lord provides for us. Amen.
1: Let's turn to uh, 1 Samuel 1 eight. And I'm going to be reading there. And then turn to Samuel, the second chapter, the first verse. Amen. Amen. God is good. Let's pray. Father, we praise you, and we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do, Father. We just know, Lord God, that you're in the move, Father God. Father, we know, Lord God, that you want, want to equip us and make us those powerful men of God, Lord God, powerful women of God, Lord God. And we know that the only way we could do this, Lord God, is through the power of prayer, Lord God, Is learning how to seek your presence, Father God. Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God. We just pray that everybody here tonight will be encouraged, Lord God, and we'll be moved, Lord God, to seek your face, Father, to learn how to get a hold of you, Lord God, and to something happens, Father, within their lives, within our cities, Lord God, within their soul, our families, Lord God. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name and the saints, say. Amen. And And the word of God says like this. Then Akana, her husband, speaking about Hannah, man, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat, and why do are you grieve? And I not better than ten sons. And man, now turn to the second chapter, verse one. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices. Amen. You see the difference from weeping to rejoicing, amen, in the Lord. My horn is exhausted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation, amen. <laughs> what we see here is the story of a man, of kind of, right, who had two wives, and every year you know, they went up to the temple to pray and to offer their sacrifices to the Lord. And what we see here, we see two wives, Penina and, and Hannah, amen? And what we see here is that one had children and the other one couldn't. Hannah couldn't have no children, right? The other one did. So what we see that the one, Benaina did, right? she used to always torment and mock Hannah because she couldn't have children. Okay? I title my messages <coughs> today, uh, Smile Now and Cry Later. I mean, cry now, smile later. <laughs> my bad. Because in the world, we used to say, okay, I'm going to smile with my friends and cry later, right? You know, it's going to be all good. I'm just going to have party now and then later on, you know, i worry about it later. Right? But here we see the opposite. Amen. And us as, as Christians, we got to look at it as the opposite because in this world, we're going to suffer. amen. And this world, we're going to go have some pain. Amen. <laughs> it says that, you know, Jesus told us and he warned us. He says, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. He goes, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Amen. That's what Jesus told us. Amen. And isn't that true for us? Who try to live a godly life. Don't we go through it? Uh, Sometimes we say, you know what, I'm going to start praying. And we begin to start praying and everything, the whole world turns upside down. Why? We want to be warriors, right? But we don't want to go to war. We can't call ourselves warriors if there is no war. Man, it's impossible. It's very impossible. Right? You can't call yourself a warrior if you haven't been to war. Right? So war comes. You know, and man, war comes, it's gonna come. We're not gonna tell you that war ain't gonna come, everything's gonna be good. Like Hannah, you know, she had it all going on. Like Pastor said, just you know, one of those drive-by prayers. She okay, she came to the temple, everything's all good, she's blessed. Oh, just you know, keep me in prayer, everything's going good, praise God. You know, no. You see the difference, you see the Hannah, right? Hannah didn't react to her to her mic ma- What she did. She began to start seeking God. She began to weep. She began to fast. Amen. She began to use her weapons, the same weapons that we have. She began to start seeking God. Amen. And that's what we need to do. Amen. And this world, people mock at us. I mean, they look at us. Look at them. They're Christians, and look at them. Poor things. They don't even have nothing to eat at the house. Right? That's the way they look at us. You know, they see us driving a, a little Honda or a little Toyota or something. But we're blessed. You know, we, we are going to work, you know, in our little bucket, but we're, we're praising the Lord. Amen? Because we know we're blessed. Right? Because we know we don't expect nothing from down here. We're not from here. We're just passing through here. Amen? Our, our recompense is in heaven. Okay? And this is what we see here. Right? This is exactly what we see. If you see it, right, right here, and don't worry about it. People are going to laugh at you. What did Hannah do? She said, you know, she didn't react. She didn't do nothing. She just sucked the Lord. She just, you didn't hear that she said nothing. Right? The only thing she did, and then we see her in the, in the second chapter, right? We see her rejoicing. And then laughing, she goes, man, I dance. If you look in the message, She was dancing and weeping and praising the Lord. Why? Because God heard her, right? God gave her a son, and then she did what a lot of us don't do. After she got got her blessing, she went back and took it to God. She went back and gave God praise, amen? And what do we do? We pray for something, God bless us, and we even forget about to come just give God thanks. Uh, But we see here in the second chapter of of Samuel that she came back. Amen? She presented Samuel. Right? And then she gave praise to the Lord. Amen? She gave praise to the Lord. And that's the same kind of attitude that I want to have. Every time God answers a prayer, I want to come back and be grateful. Thank you, God. Stay grateful. Amen? Like she did. She stood grateful. She went back there and said, man. And then... She gave us the history of the one that was buried. What happened? Uh, after she said that the Lord gives life, and he gives death. Right? The Lord gives, <laughs> lifts up, uh, and he pulls down. The Lord rises. Uh, the Lord, God used you, and then he won't use you. So, and you know, that's just the way God is. He knows our heart. Amen? He knew her heart. She had a heart after God, right? That's what what got her blessed. That's That's when she got her breakthrough. How about us? How about what we do when we get our breakthrough, right? God saved me 20 years ago, and I remember being miserable, and I remember my mom praying and crying out for me, and God heard her prayer. God saved us, not only me, but I got 15 brothers and sisters, and they're saved. Uh, and they're saved. That's a Hannah right there. How many Hannahs we have in the house? Uh, but we can't just leave the Hannahs praying all the time. Come on, man. We got to rise up. We got to take a stand and say, you know what? I need a breakthrough. I need to get a hold of God. I ain't careful about anybody else. Say, I don't care if they're going to call me a holy roller or nothing. I don't care if they're going to say, this guy already bumped his head. Uh, you got to just come and begin to start seeking God. Get involved. Get involved with the prayer team, man. This is the, one of the most important ministries in the church. I say one because there's a lot of others, right? But one of the most, come on, man, stand up, you know. Get a hold of me. Get a hold of Sister Rochelle and say, come on. Uh, let's pray. Let's get a hold of God. in you watch. Your life would change. Your family's life would change. The community would change because you're going to learn how to, not only that, you're going to start weeping for your family. You're going to start crying out for them. Uh, something happens when we come in God's presence. I've been in presence, like, Eli thought she was drunk. Eli looked at her. It was observing her from the door thing. He said, what's wrong with this girl? You know, she's over there, like, you know what? She was praying until the Holy Spirit came all over her. Uh, and that's the way. You ever seen people? I've seen girls and like people pray. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them. And, and you can hear them murmuring and stuff. But you can't hear no words. But you hear them crying out, pouring their heart out to God. Amen? And that's, this is exactly what was going on. Eli looking at her like she's kind of drunk and stuff. And he go, Eli, don't think of me of, a, of an ungodly woman. You know, i just pouring out my heart before the Lord. Amen? And that's what she was doing, and that's what we need to do. Pour our heart. I don't care if people think we're drunk. You know, don't, don't worry about it. Even if you're at work, sometimes you're, you're crying, and you, you, you all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just gets a hold of you. You know, don't be scared. Begin to start praising them. You know, don't worry about what people are saying or if they are serving you. Amen? Just praise them wherever you are at. Amen? I know it wasn't going to last more 10, five minutes. I had too much to share. but you know, this began to get a hold of God like Hannah did, to steady her life real good, and look at her character, right? right? The Bible says in Psalms 30, verse five, it says, See, <laughs> weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And that's exactly what happened there. Uh, her weeping turned into joy. Amen. And our weeping and our sorrow and everything is going to turn into joy. Right? And then Romans 8.18 talks about, right? <coughs> for the tribulations that we're going through, is not even to compare all the suffering that we, we're going through. It's not even to compare the glory that's to come that's going to be rebuilding in us. Amen. And us. Let's begin to continue to seek God. Amen? Prayer is very important. If I don't, I'm not praying here, I'm praying at home. Sometimes the Lord, I'm up early, two o'clock in the morning. When I'm getting up, my girls are going to sleep, you know. But you know, this morning it amazed me because every time I get up, it's my turn. Like, like Val is out there praying in her words. She does it at a certain time, and I do it at a certain time. That's when the Holy Spirit. That's when I could, you know, everybody's asleep and I could really get a hold of God and I could really start, you know, bringing my petition before God and. There's a time for everything, amen, and there's a place. You know your time. It might not be here, but it's got to be somewhere else. Make it somewhere. Make an altar somewhere where you could get a hold of God, amen? In
2: Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and he, and, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb See, in this portion of scripture, this was a pivotal point in Moses' life. And this was when God was appointing him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm sure that God tried to tell him in a subtle way, but, um, but because of some things, maybe he was distracted, or maybe he was like not thinking he was the one. Um, but um, but he, God had to use a burning bush to get his attention, to reveal himself to him. And so this really spoke to me because sometimes God has to use a burning bush to let me know that he's present. Sometimes he has to use a burning bush to say, yes, I chose you. You're the one that I'm, I'm choosing. Sometimes I think it's my insecurities or my fears that get in the way, but God is saying, no, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to reveal myself to you. And so I'm sure Moses felt that way too, because we know that Moses he had some um, speech impairments, and he didn't. He he was he didn't he didn't have a whole lot of self esteem as well. He would always say, "Oh, let." He even said it in the scripture, "Let my brother Aaron lead." And so, um, but God chose Moses to reveal Himself in that burning bush. And so. Um, let me just ask you this. Think about it this way: Have you encountered any burning bushes that God that God has been trying to get your uh, attention and reveal Himself to you, and um, have you just been ignoring them, or does God have to send a burning bush to get your attention because He had to do that for me, and so He um, and that's the way He tries to He has to reveal Himself to myself. Um, and also is God trying to reveal himself to you through a situation that you like through your situation, but you can't see past the circumstance. So he has to bring a burning bush to show you. Um, and that takes me to my next point. Another way how God uses fire is also, he uses fire to lead us. And in Exodus 13, chapter, um, chapter 13, verse 21 and 22, it reads by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night neither the pillar of, of, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people when I read this portion of scripture I thought where did the pillar of fire come from I mean, did it just, it just appeared? The Bible says it just appeared. And so what I got out of this is it shows how much God loves his people. Because I'm sure it was pitch black at that time. I mean, during the day, they could see, they could see the, the cloud of smoke, but at night, it was pitch black, and they didn't have street lights back then. They didn't have um, stop signs, stop lights out there. So there was nothing to guide their way. And God, I believe that God was trying to show them I love you so much that I'm willing to give you a pillar of fire to lead you through the night because there's three things that he was trying to show them. He was trying to show them of his faithfulness to them, that he was leading them because that he would never leave them, nor would he forsake them. Also, he was also trying to show them his protection, that he protected them. He couldn't just let them go out there. The Bible says that they were walking day and night, that they didn't stop they just kept going, but he protected them through that. I mean, can you imagine walking through a desert? There's crazy things out there in the desert. There's scorpions and snakes and things like that. Can you imagine that those things would kill them? And so God had his protection for them. And also he, he showed them of their, his care and provision for them. He provided that light for them to lead the way out of, um, out of Egypt. And so not only did he give us fire, he didn't give us fire, not only did he give us fire to um, reveal himself and also to lead us, but he also gave us fire to refine us. And so we all know that one, right? (laughs) We all know that refining fire, right? Well, in Zechariah 13, 9, it says, I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. And so notice um, when the Bible talks about refining you in the fire, (laughs) um, you notice that it parallels with also um, the refining of silver and gold. And that process is like a really grueling process. I was reading on it, and I just want to touch really quick on some points of it because, I mean, it's, it's pretty heavy. And I know you guys have probably, I know the congregation, you guys have probably heard this. I mean, we hear uh, um, things about that because we go through it as being Christians. We go through the fire, right? And so um, the point one of that is it's called the breaking, and the breaking is the process where the refiner has to break up all the hard rocks and all the hardened things that are upon, w- um, that with the metals in, um, and and uh, and exposes, oh, wait, all the hard, he has to break up the hard rocks and all the hardened things around it so that when he puts it in the heat, the heat can expose the inner core of those things. And so in Jeremiah 23, 29, and I'm just paraphrasing, perifi- per- paraphrasing it says talks about how about how oh talks about how God's word is like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces and then um, the second part is it's called the crucible and the crucible is a fireproof melting pot and so basically uh, what the refiner does is he takes that and he puts it inside of the uh, he takes the um, the rock and he puts it inside of the crucible and then he, because um, the crucible uh, is, a, is a pot that can withstand um, high levels of heat. And so he puts it in the furnace. And in Proverbs 13, 3, it says, God uses the fire to cleanse our hearts and purify our character. And so I'm like, ooh, okay, this is getting good. <laughs> so then the third, um, the third piece of it is the dross. And this is a layer of impurities that rise to the top and forms, the, and forms at the surface, and in Proverbs 25, 4, it talks about the removing of the dross. The removing of the dross to me is, is the removing of our bad attitudes, removing of our wrong motives and our own agendas and anything that'll keep us from God, and that right there, that ministered to me because not long ago, I was that person. I was in the dross for a long time, and <laughs> and it w- it just seemed like every time I turned around, God was turning up the fire, and that takes me to the next piece, and that's in um uh that's number four, and it's called the heat. And so that's exactly what it is. And so um, the heat is when the refiner continues to place the crucible in the fire over and over and over again. And the Bible says he puts it in there like seven times. And even when he thinks, even when everything floats to the top and he takes it off, and it floats to the top and he takes it off. But even then, he even says, okay, I can start to see it. I'm starting to mold it and make it a vessel. But then he says, no, let me turn up the fire a little bit higher. Let me take them in a little bit longer. And so, that, yeah, can anybody identify that with me? Can you identify? That's the, that's the yeah, okay. <laughs> so the it just gets a little bit hotter. So then you go into the purification process, right? And so... Um, the purification process is when the refiner continues to remove the impurities the impurities continue to fill up to float to the surface and you they begin to see that 's when the refiner begins to see um, his own image sort of it 's like distorted still um, but in isaiah forty eight ten it says see, I have refined you. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And so can can anybody identify with that? How many people have been through the furnace of affliction? And so the next one is the reflection. And everybody loves this part, right? When the refiner looks and sees his image, when God looks and sees his image. He takes us through these different steps and these different processes because he has something better at the end. He has something ready for us at the end, right? And so when he can start to see his reflection in us, that's when he knows, okay, this this, this person is ready. My vessel is ready. My child is ready. And so I I just want to say, you know, our church has been going through a lot. It has gone through a lot since Jesus. January, and then we thought, okay, we're good, we're good. No, the, the, we were put in the fire a little bit longer, and then we were like, okay, we're good. No, God turned up the fire just a little bit more, right? And then he, we're like, we're good, we're good. No, seven times we were put in the fire, right? But let me tell you this right now a change is coming. A change is coming. I mean, I don't know if you feel it, church. The change is coming. The change is here. You know, but are you ready for it? Are you ready for that change? See, I want to tell you, church, the fire that God has allowed in our life was not put there to destroy us. It was put there to conform us right it's put there to conform see God used different fires in our life to burn away the things that get in his way see we got too many stuff we got we're full of our stuff and we need to get he needed to get it out of our way so what did he do he stuck us in the furnace he stuck us in the fire right because he had to get that stuff out of the way See, through everything we have gone through in these pa- in this past year as a church we've not gone through it alone we've gone through it as a church right? Don't you feel like we've all kind of locked hearts and we've all kind of went through it together? You see your brother hurting, you're praying. You see your sister hurting, you're praying. You see, you go to the pastor and say, I think there's a situation going on there, pastor. You know what I mean? He's there. He's right there. I don't know about you, but I love our pastors. You can call them anytime or any day. I don't, recommend that. I mean, you know, (laughs) you can call them at any time and any day and they'll be there for you. They're the 911 because they'll be there for you. They'll get up out of their bed and come talk to you. They'll get up out of their, they'll wake up in the middle of the night and they'll pray with you. They'll be, they'll fast with you. They'll be there for you. And so I love our pastors. And so through everything we have gone through the past year as a church, God has been purposeful in revealing himself to us in the fire, in leading us through his fire, and refining us in the fire, right? Getting us ready for what's coming next because man, it's coming. It's coming. And get excited, church. I'm excited. Aren't you excited? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And get ready, church, because the harvest is coming. It's coming. We think we're just going to evangelize for 30 days. Are you kidding me? God is about to pour out his spirit on this church. There's not going to be enough seats in the house. We might even You see this church, we might have to go into double services. You know, pastor, that tent's coming. It's on its way. And so those are the things that that's why we went through so much. That's why we've done we've gone through this. It's going to do we're going to do some great and mighty things. And I can see it coming because right now we're at the place where the beginning of the blessing. Amen. So here we are. We're in September, October, right? Because October is Saturday. So we're in October, November, December. We're at the end of the year. Next year, a change is coming. A change is coming. Are you ready, church? Are you ready for the change? Are you ready for the harvest? Are you ready for the people? Are you ready for God to do a mighty work in you and and, and, and a mighty work in the church? I'm ready. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know that a lot of this, the only reason why we were able to withstand a lot of the fire that we've gone through is through the prayer. It's through the fasting that has taken place. Church, I don't know if you know, but every three days, of the first three days of every month since, Janu- since January, the leadership fasts for this church. I mean, they fast, you know, and, and, and it's because they have a love and a compassion for people. They have a love and a compassion for for, to see change in our lives and, 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 and it's spearheaded by the, by the spirit of God and then our pastors get in, they get their direction and then they give us the direction and we just keep moving and we just keep marching and we just keep going forward and so I want if, if you want to jump on board jump on board the first three days from the first to the third we're fasting and praying for the church we're fasting for the marriages. We're fasting for the singles. We're fasting for the children. We're fasting for the, for the youth. We're fasting. We're fasting for that college up there because we're going to take it by storm next year. We're not going to have enough places for um, the young adults to sit at. We're not going to have enough places. for we're, The young adults are going to have their own building. I believe that. Because that, that college up there, they're coming down here and they're going to have church with us, amen? And so I just pray that, um, that God touch your heart. You heard three really powerful messages, messages about provision, about powerful prayer. The plea went out for the men to get involved. And so I just pray that God just move in your heart tonight. If there are some burning, um, if there are some fires that are in your life, And you need God to to reveal himself to you. You need God to um, lead you. And some of you may even be in the refining part. But you know what? You're going to come out, right? You're coming out gold. You're coming out gold. So just remember that. And so I just want to close in prayer right now. Lord God, we just thank you tonight, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that encourages us, that leads us that reveals your, 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 your presence to us, Father. And we just thank you tonight, Father, for everything that you're getting ready to do, Lord. Oh, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will just um, flow in this place tonight, that our worship, Father, would be like Isaiah 6. As we are worshiping you, your robe fills this place, Lord God. Oh, Father, just allow your presence to just be, fill this house, Lord God. Have your way. We thank you tonight, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. And we all say,